Amen. The sermon title is simply Tough Decisions. And as I ask you to think about how God has moved upon our spirits this day, I ask you to begin the simple thought process in this sermon by listening to these words from Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord and the way, my beloved. Ushers, I thank you for your service, and I thank you for being able to stand firm in your position of service unto God. Amen. Amen. They didn't move. They didn't falter until they had been granted a release from their position. What does it mean to stand firm in the Lord in this way? What does it mean to have to make tough decisions? The group of scriptures today are on the top of your bulletin. It's Genesis 15, verses 1 through 12, 17 and 18, Psalm 27, Philippians 3, 17 through 4, verse 1, and then the gospel is Luke 13, 31 through 35. As I approached this and prepared for this, it kept coming up about hard decisions. I read through various commentaries to look at the linkages of all four of the passages. And every time I looked at it, I kept asking these simple questions. So I posed these unto you at the top of the sermon. What decisions are tough in your life? And what makes a decision tough? What decisions are tough in your life, and what makes those decisions are tough? One of the commentary indicators uh, had a, a paragraph, and it says here, Lent is a time when people are in, inclined to contemplate major decisions, major decisions about their faith, major decisions about their spiritual journey, major decisions about things that need to die in their life. That struck a chord with me because we often think during this season what it means to become or eventually the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But very rarely do we think about what does it take to die daily unto the world. Sometimes when we think about a decision, what do we do? We talk to one another. We'll make a phone call and talk with whomever our confidant may be. Some of us will talk to God. Some of us will even pray and listen in a com contemplation type of way. We'll pray unto God, but we will become quiet with God. Sometimes we act out something and then say, oops, 
I've taken an action before I fully have understood the decision. In other words, we have to look at when we're making decisions, the people, the content of what is in our decision, and the context as well as well as how do we communicate it not only to ourselves, but if our decision impacts other people, who has to be involved? Decision making. Turn to your neighbor and say, some decisions are tough. Turn to the other neighbor and say, some are easy. But the best decisions are made with God. Why is that important? Because sometimes in our spiritual journey, depending on where we are, we will make a decision, think about it, and go right into action. That's about looking at whether we need to address what it takes to grow into spiritual maturity. I love children, and I really love children when they have just this amount of independence, when they don't need you to change their diapers, when they don't need you to do everything for them, and they just have just enough to make some decisions. I love to watch children at that point because you can see their struggles. They see the right thing, but they see the cookie jar. Mama said no cookies. Daddy said no juice until afterwards. But they've learned just enough to step up on some little bench that will give them just enough height to get their hand in the cookie jar. They will know just enough to be able to pull open the refrigerator. You know the little refrigerator where you keep just your juice that you think they don't know where it is? I hate to tell you. They know. It's just their size. It's just short enough for them. They open up and they say, wow. They think it's a gold mine. At that moment, they really don't think about right or wrong. They think about what? Getting the top off the bottle and drinking it down. If the truth be told, it's not just little children that think about those kind of decisions. Kind of look around to see, is anybody looking? Does God know exactly what I'm doing? They say, hmm, maybe God won't see me if I just sneak this thing that I said I was going to give up for men. Amen? I know some of us said we were going to do this for the beginning of the year, for the New Year's resolution. And, and then some of us have said, even on the second Sunday, we're going to get these things up for lift up. We have found a way to say, guess what? The pastor said Sundays are like miniature Easter. And since they don't count against Lent, technically, I can drink my coffee, eat my sweets, because it's not in the 40 days. It doesn't count in the 40 days. Therefore, I'm just celebrating with Jesus. Amen. We give ourselves permission to not fully make the tough decision stick. But we make the other decision. A temptation is brought to us. And we say, well, it's not Monday through Friday of Lent. It's Saturday in the afternoon. Therefore, technically tomorrow, I can drink the coffee I gave up, okay? Because it's really not the 40 days of sacrifice. It's kind of the in-between. 
Why do I bring this up? Because we have to make everyday decisions. And some of our decisions are easy. And other parts of our decisions are difficult. I don't mean to minimize the reality that some of us have to go to the doctor. And the doctor has said, this treatment is expected to do this. But it could potentially have this consequence. And the decision is tough to make. Because in frankness of it all, we don't want to stop driving. And the doctor said, if you're going to do this treatment, you're going to have to stay on your back for six weeks. That's worse than the illness. You say, oh, my God, I'll be delivered, I'll be healed, but I've got to lay on my back for six weeks. Is there another treatment? I've never laid still for six weeks. Oh, my God, isn't there something else that can be done? We miss the fact that the tough decision to have an opportunity for our body to be healed, God has already spoken that into us. God has already said that that would occur. But the treatment almost scares us half to death. What will I do for six weeks? Who will come and take care of And who's going to pay the bills? And who's going to fix the meals? And who's going to do this? And I mean our decision making becomes nearly anxious. Why do I say these things? Because there's a lot of decisions that children have to make. Teenagers have to make, young adults have to make, young parents have to make, families have to make, husbands and wives have to make, your house has to make them, you make them in a team, you make them in a group, you make decisions in a lot of different places. But if the truth be told, some of us struggle not only with making the decision, but then having to follow it through. Well, you see, the passages of Scripture this morning help us to examine what does it mean not only to talk to God, but to receive the promises of God. For in the passage of Genesis, it talks about how important it is that Abram understood that he would be the father of many nations. For God promised him that this vision would come to pass. Genesis 51 says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. You ever had a vision from God? You ever had him speak to you in your dream? You ever had as you sit there and you pray quietly, his voice and things just come across your spirit. And in the vision it said, do not be afraid. I am your shield. I am your reward. You shall be very great. And Abraham said, Abram said, Oh Lord, what will you give me? I am continuously childless, and the heir of my house is not here. The bottom line was even though the vision came immediately, Abram said, Uh uh-uh, uh, I don't believe the promise. Excuse me, you said I would be great, and that greatness means I will have heirs, I will have descendants, you will have reckoning unto my life, that you will extend my life unto others, but I don't have any children, my wife doesn't have any children, so the first thing about tough decisions that we got to look at is when the promise of God comes, that we are called to believe. Turn to your neighbor and say, do you believe God? They may not answer you. It's not important that they answer you. But we have to begin asking the question, do you believe when God says X, Y, Z is going to happen? I started this message off with tough decisions. What happens sometimes when we have those tough decisions? 
and we realize that we are struggling with believing that God can confront local injustice, that God can help a family church, that God can cross racial divide and digital divide and cause us to serve and do mighty acts of, 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 of service and deliverance unto all types of situations, that God can move from one home to the other and take care of a sick person and allow us to respond to a new job and allow our children to get a great education and allow a tough decision that says, I know you wanted to go to college here, but the scholarship is coming from here, and you're going to have to go where the money is, and I'm going to have to let that go. Those are tough decisions because sometimes we want things to happen just the way we want them to look. Well, you have to believe that Abram wanted a son, wanted an heir, wanted somebody right there, but somewhere in his mind said, is, is the Lord thy God missing something? I don't have any children. My wife can't have any babies. What are you talking about? And he said to the Lord further down in the passage, I have a woman who works in my house. Is she the one? And the Lord said, no, she's not the one. But the reality of it is that we had to begin looking at the covenant for the verse 18 says, on the day that the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, he said, to your descendants I give the land from the river of Egypt to the great river of Euphrates. That's a lot of land. So the reality of it is he expected that land to be populated at some point with the generations and generations and generations of Abraham. When we were in Sunday school, we used to sing that song, Father Abraham had many sons. Had many sons, had Father Abraham. The bottom line is when that belief was solidified, and he had to make a decision at some point, Abram said, even in my unbelief, even in my situations that don't look just right, I'm going to believe God. So part of making tough decisions is to believe the covenant and believe that it will come true. When we move to Psalm 27, Psalm 27 is a particularly fine scripture of mine because it starts off with the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? So part of our decision-making process, we have to be willing to ask the question, am I afraid of something? Am I afraid of someone? Am I afraid to follow God? Am I afraid to walk it out by faith and not by sight? Am I afraid to follow the decisions of the group that I'm with? For the reality of it all, sometimes, we struggle with tough decisions because we're willing to believe. We're willing to hear God. But we have a fear. And when God calls us to be strong, we throw our hands up and say, oh, but I'm afraid. And sometimes we don't admit to our fear. Amen? Yeah. Every time we're afraid, we don't tell somebody afraid. You ever been on a plane with somebody and they get right to the door? And you say, you need to get on the plane. Uh-uh. <laughs> And that person would have to be the person sitting in front of you, and they just like, stop. They won't walk through the door. They just like, up. And you say, wait a minute. Did you take your medicine? <laughs> Didn't you know you was afraid to get on the plane before we got here? 
I went on a trip one time and I traveled with a lot of people and it was a great trip. And the lady got on the plane and she said to me, Jackie, I'm afraid. I said, is this the first time you discovered it? She said, it just really became clear to me. I said, how afraid are you? She said, real afraid. And I said to her, I said, now you're a prayer warrior, sister. You shouldn't be afraid. She said, now look, we're not going to evaluate this right now. She said, I need you to start praying for me. And I need you to ask people around us because all of a sudden I feel a little anxiety going on. And I just feel like I could just get up off this plane right now. I said, now look, don't pull any buttons. So no switches, don't push any buttons. We're going to get you through this. And she said to me after we had been flying for a while, she said, it just ain't that bad. It's just the going up and the coming down part. I said, oh, have mercy. She said, so you done prayed me up. You better pray me back down. So the bottom line is sometimes even when we're afraid, if we communicate it to somebody, if we talk to God about it, if we share it with one another and say, wait a minute, my face is strong, but I feel a little afraid. Tough decisions require us to take action. Tough decisions require us to understand what it means. In verse 14, it says, wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait on the Lord. So the bottom line is when you have to make tough decisions and you've prayed about it and you've talked to God and your fear has been removed, you have to be willing to say, you know, he's already answered five prayers that I haven't implemented just yet. I just sent this one up. So while I'm waiting on this one to get answered, why don't I walk by faith and not by sight and work on the decisions of the ones he's already answered for me? Is that all right? Because sometimes we're waiting on an answer and he's already answered some other things and we haven't taken courage. We're stuck somewhere in fear. So when he calls us to be strong, you say, who, me? You want to be strong? What you talking about, Willis? Huh? I'm waiting on the Lord and I'm trying to stand firm, but can, can, can you get somebody else? The bottom line is the decision and the actions are connected to one another. But he calls us to believe that he will move. He calls us to understand that we need to be strong. And the promise of security and the strength, we have to be willing to wait. But we also have to be willing to move when he says move. When you look at the Philippians passage, I think this one's really important because it helps us to recognize that when we make decisions and we live in the nature of a godly community and we have turned over our lives and said, you know what, I've been baptized. You know, I belong to Jesus. We look and take our citizenship in the land of Jesus Christ very seriously. But we don't ignore what it means because it says, brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the exact Example that has been set forth. God has an example of what it means to learn the word. For as, as people of Wesleyan, as people that call ourselves Methodists, we understand what it means to experience God. But he says, I need you to know how to experience it through scripture. I know, want you to know how to experience it through tradition. I want you to experience it through reasoning and thinking in your mind. But I also want you to experience through experience. God says that he will come to know us and we will come to know him through a relationship of both reading the word, praising God, having tradition, 
And guess what? Experience it. And he says you will know it through strip, scripture, reason, tradition, and experience. It's not that our tradition should stop us from having an experience of the Holy Spirit. But the bottom line, he says, I want you to know me. But there will be many enemies that will come up against you. But I need you to understand that because I love you, because you are my joy and crown, because you, I have called you to stand firm, I want you to know that you love. If you don't know that you love, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, God loves you. More than you can imagine. Turn to your neighbor and say, I love you. And God loves you even more. The bottom line is sometimes we struggle with what it means to be the jewel in the crown. Imagine you got a crown sitting upon your head. And the Lord God has spoken in your ear and said, you are my jewel. You are the top jewel. You are the jewels that line all the way through the crown. But guess what? What if he said, you're the jewel that's right next to the ear? Some of y'all would say, if I'm not the middle jewel, I don't want to be on the crown. But the bottom line is we're all on the crown. So you got to imagine this crown is big. It is full of joy. It is full of love. It is full of mercy and grace and excitement. And he said, but you are my true. You know how your grandmama and papa used to say, you my favorite one. And then went to the other child and said, you my favorite one. And you my favorite one. You was all my favorite one. God loves us just that much. Then he said, you the Jew. I can imagine some of y'all saying, I'm the diamond. I'm the ruby. I'd just rather be, I'd be a precious stone. I'd be a piece of cracked grass. You know, a little ice on the side, a little, a little piece of glass that they just got in. I just want to be on the crown. My positioning, my place. He says, this body is a body of glory. It's a mindset. So in order to make tough decisions, we're called to believe. We're called to be strong. We're called to wait on the Lord. We're called to stand firm. But we are also called to know that God loves us. So when the decision gets hard in your department and things are difficult and a lot of things are moving and changing and then they're changing and moving, and you say, I'll serve anywhere, Lord. If you make my job in the bathroom, it'll be all right. It ain't the first time I had to clean a situation. Just if you want me to serve, I'll stay where you want me to serve. I worked in a company one time, and I had a, what I call a good job. My mom and daddy said, we ain't never had a job that gave us a car. We ain't never had a job that allowed us to travel. You got a good job. And when I said, Mom and Dad, that job is on, my mother said, what have you done? I said, I can't do that job any longer. Well, what are they going to do? I said, they said they're going to provide a job that I'm capable of doing in the interim until a job that fits my gifts and graces comes along. I was a secretary. And I loved secretary work, and I became more understanding of what it means to chew gum, answer the phone, put folk on hold, transfer somebody else, 
all with a joyful smile in the name of the Lord. Good afternoon. Could you hold one moment? How are you doing? Praise be the Lord. I mean, it just, and, 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 and just, whose number is this on the switchboard? I wanted to ask them sometimes, do you know what their extension is? But that wasn't their job to know. But the bottom line is I was called to do something that I had not necessarily been trained for, but it was the job that I was called to do in the interval, and I had to sit and say, hey, I will stand firm. Hey, I know I am love. I am the joy in the crown. And it didn't matter whether what happened at that moment. It was a tough decision. I could either have accepted that position or went on unemployment. And since I had calculated what unemployment was at that time, that job really looked pretty good. <laughs> Amen? And so the bottom line is sometimes our decisions are impacted by our situation. But God has sent us a piece of good sense. And he'll allow us to look at it with a mindset that says, I am loved by God. It is not the stature or the situation that defines the character of who I am. It is the understanding that I will go into this with a spirit of excellence and serve to the fullest. And then in the book of Luke, tough decisions require perfect timing. God knows exactly where he needs us to be, mm-hmm. on the day he needs us to be there, doing what he needs us to do, mm-hmm. with whom he needs us to be there doing it. And it may not feel good. Some of our consequences of actions and decisions that we made will cause us to have some grief. And the bottom line is sometimes that grief will go directly into our heart. It will be like a knife and a knee and a nail. Stab right into our heart, and we'll look up and say, uh-uh, that's not the dining I thought would happen. And we'll hear a whisper. And he asked you, are you willing, are you willing to go with me and stay here until it's the blessed time that is set forth? For the hour has come, and situations occur. The Luke passage reminds us that things are going to happen, that Jesus is in the time of today. He is dealing with the reality that casting demons still needs to happen. People need to be cured. People need to see the work of this hour, this moment, and this time. And when he is called into Jerusalem, when he is called into the place where he will be crucified on the he already knows that he already understands that but he says unto us that this is the time that is now so what tough decision has he called you and I to make right now it's March it's early we haven't gone on spring break yet the reality of it is a lot of decisions are going to come up right now High school seniors may have decided what college they're going to go to. But now they have to decide whether they're going to send the first payment in. They're going to hold the room and see if we can wait to hold the room until later. They have to decide whether or not this is really, we're going to step out by faith. This seems like a lot of money on the table. And then we have to answer the tough decisions, and even in our family, whether we will stay the course raise our children in a community of faith anyhow. 
Tough decisions are made every day. But the remembrance of the fact that God has called us to believe in the covenant. He has called us to be strong. He has called us to wait on him. He has called us to be steadfast. He has called us to believe that his timing is correct. So in the end, when you have to make a decision, and it's a tough decision, don't take God out of the equation. As a matter of fact, Put him in the equation as soon as the decision thought even comes into your mind. Don't go any further with the plans if you haven't had a talk with Jesus. I will close with this thought. Some of us don't always have the same opportunity to experience the love of God, but we have an experience to have with God. How God loves you and how God loves you is still the fact that he is personally aware of what our particular need is and he will bring us to a place where he will love us according to what is needed to happen. Amen. He had me having-